When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Excuse me, Veronica. Yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. I am one host, Harrison Starr, HD underscore star on Twitter, Boilerhawk on Blackheart Gold Pants, joined as always by Harmon Chillabrew himself. The, uh, I don't know, I was going to set up something else, but it, it might have crossed the line into actually mean Ben Ross from Arizona taking his annual month month-long, what are we going to call it, sabbatical, or, or just study abroad? It's a gap gap, gap year, <laughs> gap maybe. Year. <laughs> <laughs> gap month? I don't know. I want I do want to know what, what was the, the shot across, the, the stray bullet I was about to take. Um, it was going to be a Valentine's Day joke, but I think oh, I would have spun it in a way that actually made it sadder for myself as I was thought, thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I could make this a self-deprecating joke. But uh, I did not. I just opted to have a horrible non-joke um, as it is. I did have a question as you're down in Arizona. Do you find yourself ever sneaking out after your parents fall asleep? Like the old days in high school, I'm sure. Well... <laughs> It's funny, so first, let me get it out of the way, 30th year in a row I spent Valentine's alone, more or less. Second year, second year in a row I spent it with my mom and dad. So things are going great over here. Um, so I think I've described where my parents live now, because now they have fully moved in um, to Arizona. And it's like a gated community, and the community has several bars on site. And so the house in this community now is very close to one of the bars. And, like, yes, I will be there on Thursday night watching the Iowa game, potentially blogging from there. It's, a, like, a pool bar, but it stays open until, stays open until like, the last customer leaves. Oh, incredible. Really. But it's all, like, old people here. So it's usually 9, nine or 10 o'clock wrap-up, like, 10 at the absolute latest. Like, I was here for... Thanksgiving and me and my brother-in-law we snuck away on Blackout Wednesday and at like 8:38 we got there like 8 and it was like packed and then at like 8:40 we were the only two people in there cuz everybody there are I mean there are some younger folks but like I'm the youngest person there by other you know I'm I'm 6 or 7 years younger than my brother-in-law and he's the youngest there person there I'm the youngest person there other than him by like a good 15 years. Um, but it's good. I did learn uh, that the standard 
mixed drink comes with two shot, three ounces of liquor instead of oh. one and a half. Okay, here, so they're just trying to get these old people out the door, <laughs> fucking blitzing <laughs> out the door. Um, which I'm, I'm cool with it. Whatever. What, what's your go-to then at the at this place? They have a relatively decent beer tap, okay. tap beer place, and they're like. Arizona, I mean, everywhere. The underrated thing about the United States is you can go in, in any region of any state and get a quality local craft beer. Like, under, not to turn this into a beer podcast, but like in many, many ways, the United States has surpassed all other, like all European countries in terms of, I think, quality alcohol production. I mean, I even had a, I had a conversation with this and a German I met when I was in Croatia in, when I was on a Europe trip in 2019. Like, he was talking about how, like, you know, German has those purity beer laws where there can only be five ingredients uh, yep. in their beer. And he said that has set, like, the beer industry back centuries because they can't, they, like, legally can't <laughs> change, like, I mean, seriously, like, you yeah. can't change any of the ingredients. So, like, there's only so many different combinations you can make with five ingredients. Um, so there, I, I'll drink a beer now and then. Otherwise, they, um, you know, decent whiskey, decent tequila. I do like a gin and soda on a hot day. Yeah. Not too picky. Got to save yourself with the calories from the tonic water. I, I really respect that. With, with the well, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, I try actually not to drink beer during the week. It's sort of my weekend treat. So mm. when I do have a beverage like tonight, I had uh, just tequila neat. Oh, fun, fun with uh, with with dinner. Quite good. Fantastic. I was thinking as you were talking about like the German beer laws. Really, the only way that they could do it is if they get cute with like how they would age it, right? And then you're probably maybe going a little more into like the Belgian style with how. I don't know, the Trappist beers uh, and, and things like that. But you're exactly right. I mean, th- there's only so much you can do with five ingredients. And and one of the ingredients, I presume, is water. Yeah, it's like water, yeast, hops, and then malt. And then what would be the fifth ingredient? I don't know. Um, it's funny you say that. Like, I was at, like, a beer bar on Saturday uh, yeah, I left, I left here on Sunday morning. I was at like a nice European beer bar really close to where I live in Chicago. And they have, I can't remember the brand or the name, but it's, it's, um, it's a smoked beer. So they smoke like the yeast before, okay. um, they ferment before they ferment beer. It's a German beer. I can't. And it's like from 1558, like one of the oldest breweries in the world. And it tastes like bacon. Like it tastes salty. It tastes smoky. It's dark. It's really, really good. But it's like you can only have one because it's just such a overpowering flavor. But it's a really nice treat every now and then. Oh, interesting. I'll, I'll have to do some Googling, figure out which that which one that is, and, and crack it open for uh, March Madness. I'll be able to figure it out as you wax, uh, wax on here. Yeah, so um, I guess the other joke I was going to make since you're in uh, a learned community is that you're, you're making a joke about, like, studying abroad. Do you study with the locals or mingle with the locals or mingle with other people who have traveled in? It sounds like 
little mingling, just just uh, a lot of third wheeling as we've discussed here before. So I'm not going to make any more jokes. I'm making friends. My parents. I'm a social person. I've got. I played golf with a. I played golf with a guy. I used to like a retired lawyer. Randomly got paired with him last time I was here. Uh, retired lawyer from Chicago and got paired with him. And I reached out to him. We're gonna get get together and play a round of golf again next. Oh, week. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So like I, I I've got I've got friends that are. Retired. Well, maybe they'll set you up um, with uh, one of one of their children. Maybe maybe that's the path, Ben. It's funny you say that again. I met another retired Chicago (laughs) former Chicago cop here. There are lots of Chicago folks recently, and his daughter just got out of a messy divorce. Is currently living with them, so we're gonna see shake shake those tree branches uh, (laughs) later later on too. Well, all the best to you, all the best to uh, the daughter, all the best to the family. And we'll we'll probably talk about that offline whenever that, that comes to pass. So um, I guess the, the other thing to talk about that happened this past weekend was the uh, Super Bowl. Um, were you in the air during that, or had, had you landed in time to uh, I landed... I had about three hours before okay. kickoff. Okay. So I saw the whole thing. Fantastic. Do you have any takeaways from anything that, that you'd like to get off your chest? It was fine. Um, I did have Odell Beckham scoring a touchdown, plus 120, or plus 120 on that. Uh, it was great. And I also had Rams minus four, which stunk because <sighs> Vegas fucking knows, man. Crazy. Otherwise, you know, I thought the halftime show was was good. I don't think it was as good, maybe as most people say, but I don't think it was nearly as bad as you know the types of folks who are saying it was an abomination. Um, totally cool with it. I thought the fits were great. More importantly, I liked seeing Fifty Cent and Anderson Pac out there. Um, I appreciate Cincinnati's kicker staying on the field and watching the whole thing. Um, I don't care about. Matt Stafford getting a ring. I do care that the Vikings future head coach now has a ring. Um, other than that, those are my takeaways. And also my hottest take is like, this might've been Joe Burrow's like only chance to, to get there. Right. Oh, there it is. Oh my God. This is funny. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm in a room that has no light fixtures. And uh, basically, it's very dark, um, and the lights just totally went out. Uh, so now Harrison's just looking at the reflection of my computer screen off of my glasses. <laughs> Incredible content. We, we might have to yeah. do a Twitch stream for, for maybe an after-game podcast. This is incredible. Um, yeah. I share some of your takes. Like, I, I think the, the one that was step that... The, the two I appreciate the most are that the halftime show is simply very good. Uh, it's just hard. You have, what, five, six people and 15 minutes. Y- you can't do any deep cuts, really, any fan favorites. You just got to go with kind of the mass appeal stuff, um, which is still good in its own right. And I've said this on Twitter. Uh, maybe I'm crazy, Ben, but like I think there's something about having it in the dark 
that elevates it as a concert setting. And the fact that it was just so light in LA made it, um, it just made it not, not as good as it could have been in my opinion, um, just from an ambiance standpoint, but yeah, it was good to see 50, uh, good to see Eminem, good to see Mary J. Blige, Blige, um, and, and yeah, I, I like that the kicker was out there too. Uh, I think that it was fantastic. I do want to talk about the Joe Burrow take because I, I guess the, the, the case is just that he's always going to be stuck behind Mahomes. Is that where you're settling in or, or uh, is there anything deeper to that? Well, I mean, they just kind of caught lightning in a bottle. They won their three games by their last few games by 13 points, combined 13 points. Right. Yeah. Like, um, and then, yeah, also in the same division as Mahomes, um, not feeling super hot on their, their chances there. When the offensive line, right. I mean, arguably and, and the offensive line. Yeah. Their best offensive lineman played for Los Angeles and Andrew Whitworth. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there were a couple Iowa basketball games, uh, as, kind of alluded to you missed the nebraska one in your travels um but thankfully like didn't miss a whole lot between the blowout to maryland and then um the the once again blowout to to nebraska of nebraska right blowout of maryland and nebraska so i was now on a three-game winning streak Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know it says something to to do what you should do And, and i think beating the three teams that they did qualify for that, especially after the unfortunate loss to Penn State, as I recall. Let me get the – yeah, they went – lost to Purdue, lost to Penn State, who just beat Michigan State earlier Who tonight. just beat – yeah, I saw the tail end of that. Like, I mean, we say every year in the Big Ten parody, all that, but I don't know. I thought Michigan State was going to get hot, and I thought Penn State was going to die in a corner, but – that's not happening. No, it doesn't seem to be. Um, but like, I was got Michigan, who had a, a wild week, just utterly blowing out Purdue, and then um, losing to Ohio State by not a close margin. Anyways, back to the Iowa stuff. Um, I guess is there anything in in your mindset that you can take away from it or is it are you still in wait and see mode i'm still in wait and see mode like i know you just and and like my question is now i haven't looked at the standings updated standings and i'm sure you haven't either but it's like didn't we probably want penn state to lose to michigan state for iowa's purposes because now doesn't that just sort of shift that keeps sort of purdue and wisconsin in the front wisconsin's playing indiana right now um, and then shifts Michigan State down on a run on a ladder that Iowa would have had a better chance at occupying, right? Yeah, I mean, I I wrote a little bit about it, and really it's just going to come down to Iowa winning the games that they need to win. And, like, I think they're yeah. in good position because they play all the teams that they're kind of fighting for, for it with. Uh, Penn State – is not necessarily one. Um, they're two and a half games back from Iowa. Um, Iowa is a game and a half back now from Ohio State. And really kind of the, the tee-up that I had was that Ohio State, Michigan State, Rutgers, Iowa, Michigan, Indiana are all kind of vying for that fourth spot. 
and with Iowa playing four games against Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan, and then they don't have the tiebreaker against Rutgers, they do have the tiebreaker against Indiana. I think they're set up as well as you can expect a seven and six team square in the middle of the the, the conference to be. Um, but Ohio State, Kempon's got those games in, and he's got them finishing thirteen and seven. Iowa finishing eleven and nine by his algorithm, which, as I saw earlier, I mean, it's not exactly a runaway for them against Minnesota. So, like. Weird stuff looks like it's going to happen as we uh, head down the stretch of of the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, weird stuff always happens. Right now, Indiana's beating Wisconsin, and Ohio State's only up one on Minnesota, so we'll monitor that situation as it uh, as it goes on. It, I, you know, I, I like I said, I'm still in wait and see mode. I'd be pretty shocked if I would, you know, dig in that double buy territory. I'm still like. I mean, we got killed. I know Michigan was really pretty good last year, but like we got freaking killed by them last year with um, with Iowa's All Star lineup. And I think that, my, did Nunji get hurt in that game? I can't remember. If yeah, was, uh, yeah, that was, that was one. the one where Iowa was kind of yeah. in it at halftime, and then Nunji walked out in his boot, and then it just felt like there was just an air that followed that team the rest of the game and Michigan blew them out. But Michigan's a weird team this year. Like, uh, I wonder if, you know, last year Howard hit the transfer market really hard. So he had like the Chandri Brown, I think was his name, uh, the kid out of Columbia. He had all these veterans who could come in and yep. game ready um, to say nothing of like Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, the, the holdovers from from Dick, uh, Dickinson, yeah. Remind you of another coach we were talking about earlier on this pod, hitting the transfer market, game ready, and maybe not. It might not that be that good of a coach. Oh, who? Hoiberg. Oh, we haven't discussed this yet. Like I, I, th- I... oh, okay. Um. I haven't, or I guess. Well, we, we talked about talked. the Nebraska game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we're still talking Big Ten stuff, it seems. Um, but like, now that he's got all these freshmen, it's a, just a little different, like, way to mix a team. They're, they have more learning to do, I think, than, than a bunch of transfers. Um, and I think in some ways they're more talented, but in others, I think they're probably just a lower floor, higher ceiling type of team. I mean, that that's always kind of what it, what it seems like with how to, to compare some of these teams year to year. Like in some ways, I actually think Iowa is a higher floor team than they were last year. Um, just because of their athleticism, they, their one truly bad game. Like I, I think was the Iowa state game with the Wisconsin one being maybe a runner up, although they closed it to nine points there. Um, but I, I wonder if this team and you know, we haven't seen knock on wood, the injury bug uh, affect Keegan outside of those three games. Uh, I think the, the other key contributors have kind of dodged bullets like Philip Robracha. It seems like he's kind of, 
getting weird, weirdly nicked up every now and then, but he's still performing. And to have Chris Murray as kind of that third guy to, to balance out Keegan and, and Urbracha, um, I, I'm in wait and see mode, but I am so very close to being incredibly high on their prospects simply because the the difference between Luca Garza and Keegan Murray is Keegan Murray is going to be the best offensive player on the court a lot of the time, but he's also going to be the best defensive player on the court a lot of the time. And I think that having that as your best player versus having Luca Garza, who was sensational offensively, but lacking in certain defensive skills that you had to build around. Uh, I think that that raises Iowa's floor and, and I think it raises its ceiling in a way that, you know, they catch a break, Ben. We, we kind of alluded to it before, but I, I'm very close not to being just in wait and see mode. And I think this week is going to, to pretend a lot of the, the sentiment around this team because Looking back at last week, they beat the teams that they needed to, and it's weird that like the teams that they beat are kind of in such a weird state with their head coaches um, between Danny Manning serving out an interim role, and then Fred Hoiberg, as Nick astutely pointed out in his pregame, He's he's getting called out on on the Homer radio shows. Like I mean, the, the state of Nebraska basketball is just. I do want to talk about that a little bit because that is really wild. Before we talk about that, I do want to ask a question to you. And uh, it's dumb to say, and I'm trying to articulate how to ask it, but I, I mean, agree or disagree? I was Maryland game. Is that the ceiling for this Iowa team? I think it is because that's the best Bohannon version you're going to get um, where he's just making everything. Okay. Uh, I so think, that's, yeah. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going with this, not to cut you off, but it's like, is it possible that the ceiling doesn't like, Oh, that you can't get there again. Replicate that performance again. You'll never get there again. It's a fake seal. It's a attic that has now been sealed. Like, sure, Iowa can obviously play great again, but Bohannon's not going 10 for 15 again. I will bet my life on it. For us, like, that was, that was his number, right? Um, yeah. I, I just don't see – I was not. I don't think I was scoring 106 points or whatever it was again this year. Like, just uh, caught Maryland on a horrible night. Bohannon, yeah. historically, for whatever reason, shoots lights out in that building. And everything, I every other thing when I was weight. Um, so I just don't. Uh, obviously, I would love for all that to happen again. I just feel like I don't want to say false sense of hope for you or other huge homers. I'm a huge fan homer, but yeah. I just feel like we saw something great, and we just we won't like like the. Not I hate when we do this, but like or when I do this, especially like the 2018. Oh, I, I was on over Ohio State that year. Oh yeah, like. Yeah, it was incredible. Like, but and we never saw that again. I, I think here's maybe the counter to that is you you're not going to get ten of sixteen, ten of fifteen again, but you very well could get six of twelve, seven of fourteen, 
And for Iowa to to win, they're I I think Bohannon having a ten to sixteen night would turn a game against almost anyone into a laugher. But uh six to twelve, seven to fifteen type thing, that's that's something that you can use, um, or that Iowa can use. And I think about it from the perspective like you look at the North Carolina game last year, and like you said, like we're, we're kind of going back. It's like that almost felt in some ways like a ceiling, where you had seventeen of forty from deep, which is just a hilarious number to look back on now. Bohannon was seven of sixteen there, and, and obviously Frederick and, and Wieskamp were combined ten of fourteen. It's so like an irreplicable, a performance that can't be. Uh, repeated, I, but you can get enough of it for it to still be the ceiling, even though that particular vintage is up in the attic, as you said. Because I, I think that's fair that it's it's hard to replace to to repeat that for sure. And I guess the other thing too is like uh, is. Is this lineup set in stone now? Are we forever? Gonna, is Tony Perkins forever going to be at the two? Is Bohannon going to be the forever point guard? Because like, I kind of agree, ain't broken, don't fix it, right? Like it maybe when we first saw try to get out against Minnesota, it didn't seem like it was really working. But obviously, you have to look at the competition too, Maryland and Nebraska since then, and it's obviously working and uh, so I guess Michigan will be really we, and I'm sure going to trot out that starting five against Michigan on Thursday so uh, I guess that'll be sort of everybody's feeling feeling better about their roles how they've slightly changed one way or another and um but it, it just kind of seems like it'd be very really weird to be tweaking the lineup again this late in the season yeah especially when Fran really doesn't have a president of doing so at all yeah I, I look at it this way in, in that I think Fran was looking at his rotation and in the home stretch, he trusts Keegan. He trusts Bohannon. We know Bohannon is his guy. And he's like, these guys are going to play as close to 40 minutes as we can play them. Let's pencil in Keegan for 38, Bohannon for 32, 35. So then he's just like looking at the guard minutes, right? 48, 45, 45 to 48 minutes. And I I was at kind of surprised he went with Perkins, but Perkins is the only true two on this team outside of maybe Sanford, but he's a little slower, uh, a little bigger. Um, but he, he just viewed it as, as much as anything, he's setting up, in my view, Toussaint for more success by putting Perkins in at the two to start, he's taking Toussaint's minutes where he would probably play 15 minutes, almost all with Bohannon. And then you would see the rest of the guard minutes split between Perkins and Ulis. He's putting Toussaint in a position where he doesn't have to play with Bohannon as much. Both of them are undersized. Perkins is a little undersized, but he makes up for it with his athleticism and, and like <laughs> semi ability um and then Ulysses is is a guy who's more crafty and longer and I think the tallest of the three certainly 
looks the tallest, I think. Um, but to me, I think he was just looking at it. How can I set up the rotation better? Uh, because Bohan is still playing plenty of point or plenty of two, just simply because he's playing a little bit with Tucson, a little bit with Ulysses. Um, but it balances it a little more. And I certainly would be surprised if we saw another change. I, I mean, I think, I don't know what the, the other one would be. Um, I, I think Perkins and, and Rebracha are kind of the same in that, hey, you can start them, but they're not necessarily guys you're going to finish with. Um, so, you know, it's it sets up kind of that ability to be a deeper team by putting uh, Bohannon at the one, which I think was, it was really astute. No one wanted it. Like, I, I mean, I, I think you had, you had that um, first as part of the Twitter. Uh, if I remember correctly, I, I was like, "Whoa, this is kind of surprising, but in a way it might've been exactly what they needed just because, um, you know, they, they were looking weird and, and to have, Bohannon back where he's most comfortable. Um, I think we're going to find out if it works the next three games or if it is just kind of fool's gold by the the team that Iowa, the teams that Iowa is facing the last three games. Um, so who knows? I, I'm optimistic, to, but uh, that's that's my nature when it comes to Iowa basketball. What is the most amount of minutes at point guard do you think you could play and still beat Nebraska? Me, myself? You, you yourself. Zero minutes. <laughs> I, like, no, no, that's not true. I, I couldn't. They they would press me so hard. The guy they had is super fast, <laughs> like that verb guy. Like I mean, because because you're referencing the tweet that this kid said on an NBA basketball. Court. No, I'm not. You're not oh, even referencing yeah. that. Oh, okay. oh, you're right. I, oh, I am now. Now you bring it up. I, yeah, now I do know what you're talking about. But I, I, I couldn't do anything. That wasn't what I was thinking about. So you don't think you think if you play. F- like four minutes, the out Nebraska beats Iowa. I mean, if I'm in there instead of Austin Nash's minutes, I can play those four minutes. But I cannot start. I'm talking. I'm talking meaningful minutes, important minutes. Maybe you can maybe plant me in the corner, but I cannot touch the ball. I can't touch the ball. I'm okay. For one, I'm a. I'm a bad. I'm a bad basketball player, but. <laughs> Hey, all I do is ride a Peloton now. That's all I do for working out. That gives me nothing on a basketball court. So make of that what you will. Sure. Dad bod life. Okay. I, I have the, the, the Peloton and the little baby hoop. That That's that's my basketball regimen. Um, so I couldn't play uh, a minute. I, I guess I could technically, but like as point guard, I couldn't. I could be on the court in the corner. Um, okay. Okay. But not point guard, not point guard. Um, how about right. you, Ben? Fair enough. Do, do you have uh... I mean, I guess the same as you, maybe if I am playing point guard, things 
do get a little hairy. Um, no pun intended. Uh, I guess, yeah, you could you could hide me. I think I could play decent defense. Actually, pr- probably not, honestly. I'm pretty short. No, now that I, now that I remember it. <laughs> Something I'm not reminded of uh, every day. Yeah. I think the one statistic I could get, I think I could get a rebound, which is an asinine thought. But I do think I one of my skills is understanding where a ball might come off a basket. And I think if there's a statistic that I could get, it would be a rebound more than even a shot attempt. I got it. That's funny because of my height, I think I'd have a much better chance of, uh, at shooting than uh, a three <laughs> uncontested <laughs> than getting a rebound. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm short too, but all right. All right. So for those who didn't know, some guy on Twitter, some college student on Twitter said he could get 20 points in a basketball game. An NBA basketball game. An NBA take. game, yeah. Insanity. Genuinely unbelievable. So I think we've kind of circled a little bit. We're both cautiously optimistic. Not quite not quite jumping on yet, although I'm closer than you. I do want to talk about Nebraska because, like, I, I'm kind of – and two things with it. I just don't understand how it can continue to be too bad, which is like that caller's point. But it's just so weird to see Fred Hoiberg, who was ahead of the curve with the transfers and had TJ Otzelberger on his staff recruiting all the high schoolers that ultimately formed the core of the, the best Iowa State teams but it seems like he and his $18 million buyout, I don't know how long they are for this world. Between football and basketball, two biggest money makers typically for Division One colleges, is Iowa the, or Nebraska the worst in the country? Are they the worst athletic department right now in the country? I mean – from a sheer drama standpoint, Auburn is. Um, but when you have the number yeah, one basketball number, team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that makes up for a lot of that. Um, I think so. Like, I mean. I'd have to, like, go down an entire list. But, like, I, I can't think of one. Like, Kansas State comes to mind and they're doo-doo right now. But, and, like, TCU. But you could still, like, make the argument. Like, those guys have new coaches. Like, Hoiberg, this is a second year, right? It is Nebraska. his third year. It's his third year. Let me make sure. And then Frost, he's, yeah, he's been there year. forever and has never made it to a bowl game. So, like, insanity. All right, so quick score check. Ohio State's pulled ahead by 13 on Minnesota about halfway through. Um, so, any... I guess table the the scary Ohio State talks that we had, but yeah, like I think I think they're undoubtedly the worst in the Big Ten, and let oh, me, it's not even up for debate. Let me confirm that because the only other ones that I think you well could, Maryland actually kind of sneaky Maryland this I mean if you take this year they went to a bowl Maryland game though. this year at least Maryland went to a bowl game yeah 
Yeah, they got fat and went four and zero to start, but yeah. Um, I think Illinois is an interesting one, but they're like the bad football schools are decent basketball schools. Like with with Illinois, um, Northwestern is still you know a year removed from the division championship, so I, I can't put them quite in that yet. Minnesota had a big, you know, I mean, Minnesota saved Iowa's tail in uh, football uh, and they won their bowl game too, didn't they? As I recall. Yeah. They beat West Virginia. Minnesota's win over Wisconsin this year would have been the biggest win of Scott Frost's tenure. Yeah. So like, I I think it's Nebraska's undoubtedly having as rough a time as an athletic department. in the two major sports as, as you qualified. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, how's that happen? Cause it, it's, were Hoiberg and Frost, both moose guy guys, moose guys. Yeah. Yeah, they were. If Hoiberg's been there for three years, yeah, they had to him. And this is only the new guys first or second year. Oh man. Ah, uh, love to see it, Ben. Love to see it. I, I think the the only school I'd prefer. I mean, yeah. To see, I, the only school I'd prefer I to see suck more is maybe Wisconsin. But yeah, I, I I was going to say either Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota. And I haven't really I haven't said this out loud, but Penn State very quickly has become my least favorite school in the world. So yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards them too. I wonder, here's a sneaky one, IU, question mark, but they're in the middle of the middle oh, pack yeah. for, for the the Big Ten. Maybe, well, what, what did they do last year with Archie? Uh, they, that's not that bad. But yeah, Nebraska, back-to-back bad. basement seasons, it looks like. I mean, just, ugh, rough. Their, their next, their final chance at a win, I mean... Knock on wood that they beat Iowa. I guess they play home against Maryland on Friday. Maybe they can get that win. But then they, their I next mean, how, five games think, are all under 20%. Will there be a 1,000 people at that game? The Maryland-Nebraska game? I don't yeah. know. Because probably not. I mean, there will be, but like... It, it, that's tough. I'm a proponent of those Friday games just because like, I think that they're a blast, but you look at that Friday, February 25th, when they play Iowa, do you, that's a question. Will there be more Iowa game, Iowa fans at that game than Nebraska fans? Uh, maybe the black yeah, Friday. Special. I guess there's enough people in the, there's enough people in the western part of Iowa and probably enough Omaha slash Lincoln transplants. Um, but also, like, even if I, t- I... I would have to live in Lincoln in order to go to that game. I'm not driving any amount of time to to go spend money to watch Iowa beat on Nebraska in basketball. Let's see how uh, how much these are going for on StubHub. Not, not a sponsor. How... While you're doing that, 
how optimistic are you then to have a good Carver crowd on Thursday against Michigan? Uh, the six p.m. Six o'clock tip off. Like, like I here, he, I I have defended it because, like, you look at where basketball arenas are going, and uh, they're going getting smaller. So, like, Alabama is about to put in like a nine-figure arena. That's 10,000 people, 10 to 11,000 capacity. Carver's huge. Like, I don't think that people understand, like, how big Carver is. And it works with wrestling because Iowa is a wrestling school. It's a football school, and then it's a wrestling school, and then it's a basketball school. And when such a huge segment of your fan base is devoting their time and money towards wrestling... It just reduces the number of people that can be there. Like it's already kind of in a weird spot. So I've I used to be ticked off about Iowa's crowds, and then I'm like, ah, you know, it makes a lot more sense. That being said, if ever there was a time to show up at 6 p.m., it was it's for this one, and it's for uh, their next game. Um, at home against Michigan State. That's also 6 p.m. And then um, the Northwestern Senior Day, 8 p.m., but that's Monday. Um, I think the best crowd is going to be for Michigan State because that's when they're uh, raising all the, the jerseys. But I don't know. Like, is what is what hurts Carver not having – bars literally right across the street because like if if i'm a college student 21 or whatever i know there's the vine and i do this because i'm an old dad go to the vine have some wings have some beers walk up to carver boom that's a that's a day um the, the vine but, is not walking distance in reality that's not walking. walking distance no so are you i'm sure are you the one talking about the one in coralville yeah, it's walking distance. No, absolutely not. Um, and then second, the thing about... I'm going to look up the Google Maps right now while I talk. The thing about... Uh, not only is it tough to get to campus from campus to Carver, it's even tougher to get from Carver to campus post-game. They just don't... As, as far as I remember, they, they, they need to have 30 buses just sitting out there waiting to shuttle kids back and, and they don't, I think they have like one or two and you could end up waiting over like an hour after game ends. So like, I'm not, I'm avoiding that as much as I can. Yeah. Are you looking up the distance? It's walking distance because I've done it, Ben. Like, I mean, I guess that's, that's, but your point's well founded. Like, okay, I guess is, it's thirteen minutes. Yeah. the The issue to your point, though, is like you 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 can't turn it. You have to have an end date or an end time on on it if you're coming from out of town. And this is kind of like 
my perspective going to that that Western Michigan game uh, when we were back for Thanksgiving. It's like you you get up there at like three thirty four o'clock, enjoy your dinner or whatever. You get it in the Carver, you enjoy the ambiance, whatever exists there, and then you leave when it's over. And then it's like, well, let's go home because you've already spent eight hours by that point getting to and from if you're in the Cedar Rapids area, which is where I stay. So like it needs to be a good crowd though. Like, I mean, I think that's, that's ultimately why you raise this point. We're afraid it's going to be a bad crowd. It should be a good crowd. If ever there's a time for a good crowd to be, it's a Thursday night. Get there, get there students. Well, take as for the Iowa Nebraska game, uh, you can get in the door for six bucks. Nice. Yeah. Um, the seats you can get are not good for six bucks, but if you're upper sideline right at half court, that's $12. You think, I bet you can get what's the furthest closest row you think you can get without somebody tapping you on the shoulder and asking to see your ticket. Oh, if you, if you get in the door for $6, you can probably get at the top of their lower bowl section. That'd be my guess. Unless they watch them like Hawks, um, pun intended to make sure that you're, you have tickets there. But like Iowa has trouble hiring these, these people to check tickets. Like, I got to assume Nebraska, an even worse basketball team, is having trouble hiring people to check tickets at every single walkway down. You, you can probably you can probably get pretty do, good tickets. Do you think they <laughs> even are hiring people to check tickets at this point in this economy? Man, talk about talk about <laughs> money money drain money pit. Yeah, they're not checking tickets. So six dollars to get in the door. Tell us, add us, send us a picture if you go to the Iowa-Nebraska game, how much you paid for it, and where you're sitting. Um, at HD underscore star, at Renboss23. So, I guess that, that's it, Ben. About, if, you can, if you can get to a folding chair, if, assuming, I actually, I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever watched like a Nebraska basketball game, so assuming, assuming that the first few rows behind the bench are also folding chairs. If you can get there, I will buy you. I'll Venmo you for a beer in downtown Lincoln. Okay. All right. So we, we've got a wager. I mean, this this feels like a very small mm-hmm. subset of people it's appealing to. Maybe we'll have to tweet it out. I bet. Find a way. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that game's like over a week away. Um. I guess what else, Ben? Like, what else did we want to cover? We kind of went around the Big Ten. We remain lukewarm on Iowa's prospects. Uh, we got in some good Nebraska digs. Any anything else that you want to talk about? Nothing really. Nothing's happening in football in the week. I was reading. Thank you. Um, sort of like a breakdown of transfer portal in the Big Ten yesterday, and. I was at the. I, I think I was the only Big Ten team that hasn't added anybody from the portal. 
they are targeting a division two or three tight end. I know from like Lafayette college, which I'd never heard of before. When I first heard it, I thought Louisiana Lafayette and I got kind of excited. And then I saw it was a, diff- a different Lafayette and got slightly less excited. Uh, a lot of people are McCaffrey's high on, like, Lafayette. The... Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think. He... Oh, okay. We'll, we'll circle back to that. Go, um, go on. I was really disappointed. I think who ended up getting the offensive lineman from Virginia Tech we were going to get her. Virginia, oh, was it Michigan? I believe it was Penn State. I think. Or Penn State. Oh, my God. Um, Michigan State went back to running back transfer well. I can't remember the school. Colorado. They had a I guy think. come from, but he was like, I, th- I think Colorado. Yeah, it's Colorado because uh, Mel Tucker re- recruited him originally. And I think he was the Pac-12's leading rusher. So could have another Kenneth Walker retread there, which don't love to see. But um, also it's like, you know, the only only position I would have wanted to see a transfer at is most important position. And we knew that wasn't going to happen. So I guess it's kind of moot. Did you see the statistic about uh, uh, Joe's being the most prolific winners of Super Bowls? Does that mean we need to officially throw our hat in the Joey Labus ring? Didn't even think of that, but yes. I mean, shit, I smell a blog. Okay. There it is. Make sure we get over 300 words on that. Oh, I'm, I'm seeing what you're talking about right now. Oh, I have to log in on this computer. Uh, that's going to take a while. Um, uh, the, tra- uh, the, the like transfer thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the Lafayette thing, though. Let's close this out. I was listening to uh, the McCaffreys on their podcast. Four McCaffreys were on the podcast at one point between Marge and, and their sister. Incredible stuff. But anyways, the way Margaret told it was that Fran McCaffrey and um, the the Notre Dame basketball coach, Muffin McGraw, I think her name, uh, yep, who recently retired... She, they were both at Lafayette at the same time. And because Fran, I think, was still an assistant, Muffet was a the head coach for the women's. She didn't have an assistant. So Fran would talk shop with her. Um, and then they ended up both going to Notre Dame. And kind of the way that Marge told the story kind of alluded to the fact that, like, Maybe Muffet played played a role in uh, setting uh, the McCaffreys up. Maybe I'm reading That's too it. much into that story, but it was it was incredible. Like these two were already connected, um, but before this all happened, just wild stuff. It's a cool story. I mean, yeah, you know, we're we're very pro McCaffrey here, so glad to see. You know, basketball <laughs> missed my chance. I guess I would have. <laughs> if I was tall enough to be a basketball player, I'd probably be married by now. So, Hey, 2022 uh, is the year of the short king, Ben. That They're saying okay. that on TikTok. I've, sure, I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> that you've heard that 2022 is the year of the short king before, Ben? 
I've heard insert year here. It is <laughs> year of the short king. <laughs> well, may 2022 be the year of Ben Ross and uh, a cop's daughter. Um, you know, uh, more to come there. So uh, for, mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. Ben, for myself, um, for them Caffrey's as always, go Hawks. Talk Nebraska.